to the Cross the Line podcast. Uh, my name is Carlos Smith, and um, I have a special guest today, somebody who's been a great mentor and a friend to me, who introduced me to the world of broadcasting and sports journalism. His name is Coach Dick Cox. How you doing today? Doing good, Carlos. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad you took the time out to come sit with me. And uh, before we start diving into these topics, I want to let you just tell the people listening a little bit about your background. Okay, Carlos, I have grown up, I have always been a sports fan. And my dream was to play college basketball and play in the NBA. Well, at my size, about 5'10", I don't think that was a realistic dream. So the thing that I got into after college was I wanted to be a coach because I, I felt like that maybe I could have a positive influence on the life of young people. It came down between a coach and a, a minister of youth. And I thought that maybe I could help them. So I was a college coach for a couple of years at USC Upstate, was an assistant coach there, and left and went on and coached uh, at the middle school, high school level for 27 years. And then that got to the point to where it was just not fun anymore. It got so political. There was a lot of backstabbing where I was coaching and decided to get out of that and really didn't know what I was going to do because... Uh, coaching had been my life. I've been either a player or a coach about all my life. But a, a good friend of mine, Eric Thacker, who was a broadcaster in the area, he was my mentor. That Eric kind of asked me if I would be willing to, to do some color commentary for the state championship football game between Spartan High and Dorman. And so uh, I had coached, even though I was at Bowling Springs High School at that time, I had, had just left Dorman recently. So I went over and did the state championship game uh, that year with him, and it was a lot of fun. I had mm -hmm. fun with the broadcasting. So from there, Eric had me come and join him doing color, I think, for a couple seasons on the radio. And then he went to Charter Game of the Week and had me come in and do color commentary at Charter uh, for high school football and even did play-by-play -play for a while on that, and I worked doing that for a while, which got me really interested in sports. I got on uh, at 1400 for a while, was, was on Open Mic Daily, mm -hmm. and worked with them for a while for several years doing that. But I kind of, to be honest, got bored because we stayed in the studio all the time. Right. And being a coach, I'm a people person. I like to get out and interact with people and all. Right. So the things that I learned from that, and I also was the voice of USC Upstate basketball that I went back and got to broadcast in Rupp Arena and probably one of the highlights of my career and things. I learned a lot from those experiences to where I actually started my own sports broadcasting company. And we were based on going on location, uh, we worked at FATS for a long time. We've been at a lot of different places, uh, the Beacon, all kind of places where we host our shows live there where we can interact with people. And through that, I got tied up with the uh, Carolina Panthers. And, and again, Eric Boynton from Spartanburg Herald, yeah, Herald another, yep. another mentor <laughs> who kind of showed me the ropes of working training camp with the Panthers. And that led to, to working and, and going and covering the Panthers. Well, I'm doing that. Well, the Hornets in Charlotte said, so, well, gosh, if he's doing that, he can come do us too. Right. And that led to South Carolina, covering South Carolina. And then we branched out to where we 
work with the ACC, covering all the ACC events. Mm-hmm. And you've been to several of those oh, yeah. with me. Enjoyed them. And we cover the SEC, going to Birmingham, and we've even got NASCAR now. So it's kind of branched out now into a thing where, gosh, I was going to Charlotte four or five nights a week right. covering events, though. So that's kind of where I stand. I retired from teaching after 36 years this past June. And just doing what I want to, when I want to, if I want to. That sounds good. And I, and I noticed you said that going to Rope Arena was one of your uh, biggest goals of accomplishment that you really enjoy. Can you think of well? Can you think of anything else that you um, would like to um, do? Accomplish any other place you would like to visit? There's just uh, yes, uh, I could another place that I actually got to go to a couple of years ago that Duke put me on their media list, and I covered the final four. Cool. And it got to go up, was on the floor with Duke when they cut it down, that I had the opportunity uh, to go to the Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers, and something came up I didn't go. So I still want to do the Super Bowl. I'd love to go back and do the Final Four. I know it's going to be in Atlanta next year, uh, down, I think, maybe in the new place down there, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some other things like that that I, I've knocked off a lot of my bucket list things. But when I was in Indianapolis, I got a chance uh, for the Final Four to go to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'd love to go back for the race there. Okay. I've covered, you know, some other races, but yeah, there's still a few big events. Uh, I had credentials to the national championship game when Clemson was there and couldn't make that trip though. But there's still a few things I want to knock off. Okay, and um, well, I know for me, I'm, I'm pretty much a fan of just about everybody I saw because you know, just growing up seeing Coach K and Roy Williams, all those guys. Growing up seeing them on TV. So it was always uh, big for me to go travel and get the opportunity to see these guys. It was uh, a big shock to me. But I want to ask you, who were you most um, looking forward to meeting? Gosh, there are so many people that I enjoyed meeting. Like like you mentioned, Coach K, I always attended his clinics. Uh, Another guy who was nice to me, and I hate that he's been in the, the negative spotlight here was Rick Patino. Yeah. That I mm-hmm. when I was coaching, my philosophy was a cross between Patino and Coach K. But meeting them and just, you know, some of the other big time professional athletes, Peyton Manning was very nice to me. When I spoke to him, Aaron Rodgers, a lot of those guys, and you know, some of the NBA players that I had seen. Some of them, you know, are really nice guys. Some of them or not. <laughs> I won't get into that because you know some of oh, them yeah. too. Oh, You've yeah. been with me on that though. But it's just kind of neat the, the, the doors that sports is open for me to get, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, this guy, he's just so great. Or this guy, he's a jerk. But I've learned going in the locker rooms and meeting and talking with these guys and seeing them when the big cameras are not rolling kind of in their own environment that lots of times people can get the wrong idea, either place a guy on a pedestal or put him under a rock when really he's a pretty good guy. Mm-hmm. And one, that's one of the things that I, I noticed, you know, going into the locker rooms, uh, interacting with the players, like pretty much they're normal people. And sometimes they do have bad days, but a lot of them are down to earth. And some of them, maybe money changes them. They don't really care for doing the media thing. But a lot of them are really good guys, like you said, and they – and they uh, just like down earth guys that watch the same things we do, go to events just like us. So that's one of the things I really enjoy about sports. But let's move on to um, I want to talk a little bit about college football and uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. You know, we both uh, support the Gamecocks. So uh, let, just tell me what you thought about this past season. I'll tell you what. Uh 
if I could have voted the last two years, I would have voted Will Muschamp Coach of the Year. Because I think the two years he's been in Columbia, both of his teams have overachieved. That I think he's done a great job. I like the job he's doing. He's got brought in. He's done a good job of recruiting. He's brought in a lot of young players. And, you know, I think the sky's the limit for them. Now, you know, I will be the first one to admit, and I did say this, I thought they were in over their head playing in a New Year's Day Bowl. And in the first half, I'm sitting there saying, I told y'all so. But, you know, to their credit, they came back and got it done. I'm like, you know, maybe in a couple of years. But he's come in and he's turned things around. You know, wasn't it Steve Spurrier left that 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 program? In the ground. It was. was. And, you know, he's, he's bringing in local guys. Got a, a guy named Shy Smith. Yes, I know that you can relate Big to him time. real close there. And, you know, he's got Jake Bentley. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got other players from the area down there that are going to be impact players, and I'm kind of excited about the recruits that he signed for this year. And for me, just I normally like to watch maybe a game or two before I can see how far a team can go in college because they don't really have they don't get preseason games, so it's really hard to tell. But when I watched them play, my first thought was I think had Debo been healthy, I had them winning the East. That's how explosive I thought they were. I thought they had a better offense than Clemson. Um, I love Debo, uh, Shy Smith, Brian Edwards, Hurst, the tight end. Yep. I thought they had a really good uh, receiving core, a nice stable of running backs. And I thought had they had Debo stayed healthy because he was returning everything. I mean, he was he had a, he was having a really good season before he got hurt. I thought they had a chance to really win the East, but then he got hurt, and then it kind of tailed off a little bit. But I believe if he can stay healthy this year, they can. Tighten up the secondary and, and replace Scott Moore. I think they got a chance to make a run again and try to win the East. Well, you know, the thing that really surprised me, I saw South Carolina's going to have to win a lot of games, 48, 46, 48, 47. The defense was a big surprise mm-hmm. to me because I'll be honest with you, I don't think Jake Bentley had a good year. I think he missed open receivers. I wish and I'm hoping the new recruit from Fort Dorchester would come in that I think that maybe Jake, I know he's a hard worker. I think he got complacent. And when you don't have a backup quarterback pushing for the starters and he knows he can go out there and throw three or four interceptions and he ain't going to get pulled there, then I'm hoping that they will give some other quarterbacks some serious reps to put a little pressure on him. I don't think they will deceit him and beat him out for starters. But you and I both know that if there's nobody making you – you know, really pushing you to the job. job. And, and, and I don't think that he really played. I was kind of disappointed in the way he played this year, but the defense ended up winning a lot of games for mm-hmm. them, not the offense when everybody thought it was going to be the other way around. Yeah, that's true. The, but the one guy who scared me on the defense was uh, King, the, the deep ball. For some reason, yes. whenever somebody wanted to, to make a deep, make a big play, they would always go his way. So he was the guy that scared me on in the second there, but – like you said, they they did come up big. Um, they held Michigan, which Michigan doesn't really have an offense either. But they they did a really good job. But like I said, I think like what you said with uh, about Bentley, he has to step it up again. But I, I think for me, I think he is just as good as as the quarterback from Georgia. Um, I just it's, his name just slipped my mind. I know who you're talking about. I can't. Uh, from yeah. from mm-hmm. from uh, he Jake from he uh I think he's just as good as he him. Um, and I think he's gonna. They gonna they may come back a little bit to the pack because he won't have those running backs next year, uh, right? The um to back him up, but I think South Carolina 
with Debo, if he can come back healthy and shy, Brian Edwards. I think they're losing Hurts to the draft. They are. But I, I still think they have enough, but it's going to come down to quarterback play as well with Ben. He has to take another step for them to go uh, another way, take to the ACC championship. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing McClendon as the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited, too, for them for the quarterback coach they hired with the guys that he coached uh, when he was at the, the U down at Miami, the guys that, that he developed – uh, Bo Wallace and uh, the other quarterback, I can't his name, still in my mind now, that, that uh, Chad uh, oh, yeah, from Chad. Ole Miss. Chad Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And those guys, he is really supposed to be one of the top-notch uh, quarterback coaches to see what he can develop with Bentley and all. Because I think, I think Bentley's problem was last year, sometimes he came out hyped and the ball was sailing, it was flying, and he was missing wide-open receivers mm-hmm. that he needs to be. And I asked him before media day what he learned at the Manning camps. And he said, I learned to be more of a leader and more poised, you know, like that. But I think he's got to kind of settle down and not get so hype, hyper and hyped up because early in the games, he will that ball will be flying way over the receiver's yeah. heads. Then that, when it, I had actually had them – I had predicted them to beat Clemson, but then when I saw him throw the pick six in the game at the beginning, I said, it's, it's done. Uh, he just, for some reason, that was a game that kind of shook me up a little bit. I thought he kind of took a little step back. But also, I thought, maybe it was just me, but I didn't think they used Shy Smith. Enough. I didn't think they used Shy enough. I thought they could have used him more in running screens or anything right. just to get him more involved in the game. He, Give him some more touches because I thought he could have made more of an impact on the offense as well. Well, I, th- I look for him, and I think that uh, Muschamp looked for him too. That when Debo went down to slide into that role, running the reverses and doing things mm-hmm. like that, and and I don't think they used him enough either. And and that was the thing right there that that hopefully with their offense and change, I was not. Uh, a big fan of the former offensive coordinator that I got yeah. frustrated that, you know, you would see him have third and seven and he'd throw a three-yard pass mm-hmm. and call stuff like that, that, you know, it, you don't need, or you got third and three and you try to throw deep, let's move the chains and maybe we'll go deep exactly. to the next play. But a lot of the play calling just did not make sense. And it frustrated me being a former coach. Like, what is he doing? Exactly. Watching some of the things. Yeah, and they, I thought they for a while they had a chance against Georgia because they were in it early, but then it just when you can't capitalize is when they had turned they were Georgia was turning the ball over early in the game as right. well. So, but when you can't capitalize on those turnovers, it it's gonna be tough. Should have never lost to Kentucky, no, nope. because I was covering the game that night, and when they came out and Debo scores first play of the game, that place was wild. And then you get a turnover and you get a chance with the crowds in the game. To put them away early, you had Kentucky was on the ropes, and it's just like they backed off and you know let them off. I said this is going to come back to home. Should have won that game. Should have won the Texas A&M yep. game. They win those two games, then you know there's no telling what they ground. So yeah, I, I, but I think just a little bit more work they can figure they. If they can tighten up the defense a little bit, I, I think the offense will be, pick up where it left off pretty much. It's just going to come down to Bentley if he takes that step, like I said. But if, if he can do that, I think they got a chance because I believe that Georgia will come to Columbia this time. So that'll be a big one for them at home. So I, I think they will make a nice run. But So I'll ask you right now, I know it's still early. Do you think they'll win the East? I think there's, I got them second. 
second. I think Georgia still, even with the two running backs leaving, they sound like two of the top running backs in the country right. to come in. I think Georgia's experience in the playoff, I've got them right behind Georgia. In okay. I have. If if Debo can stay healthy, if Bentley takes that next step, I believe South Carolina can knock him off this year. Because I, I just don't believe in Fromm. I think he's a nice quarterback, but I think he really benefited from having Chubb and Sonny Michelle there. I think those two guys really helped him out. So it'll, it'll be a tight race. And being at home this year, I think maybe that'll get them over the hump. But well, uh, Fromm's a game manager. He is. In my opinion. Yep. That he's, he's not going to go out there. I don't see him being, you know, at this point, like an NBA, NBA <laughs> NFL draft pick or anything like that. He just manages the game where he's got to throw a couple passes. And when you had uh, Chubbs, Michelle, and even the other running back back there you can give it to, it was his job not to screw up and lose. Right. And I think the problem I had with him was in the championship game was is they, they were putting up points, but when the game really got tight, and it was time for him to make that one big play. He just couldn't get it done. So that's why I'm, I just look at him. I play. Bentley is just as good as him, if not better. I think they're kind of similar. But I think quarterback play, I think at home, South Carolina, that might be the difference. Makes it right there. Well, I hope you're right. All right. Well, let's switch over. We'll stick with football. But let's talk about the, the state of the Carolina Panthers. You've been around the team. Um they got knocked off this year in the playoffs, but from what you've seen, what do you think about the Panthers right now? I think they're going to be okay. I think that that you know they just got to. There's a lot of turmoil that I'm yep. really really scared a little bit about who they're who's going to be the new owner. I don't want to see somebody come in and move the team somewhere else. I'm, I'm a little bit you know kind of cautious. With Marty Herney coming back in as GM, they hired him yesterday. He took the intern off his or interim off his thing there mm-hmm. because he made some really, really bad deals and bad mistakes first time around that it took Gettleman several years to straighten out. But uh, I think, you know, that they've got the core players coming back and it hurt them this past year losing Olsen yep. for a while like that and doing that. I don't think that, that Cam. Had a, a very good year at times last year, coming off the injury for various things with him. But he did come on strong at the end of the year. I thought that Demir Bird was was going to be a big playmaker for him because he gave him somebody to stretch the field. But I think they, you know, that depending on what they do with the draft, that they they are a contender. I would say that they would still be a Super Bowl, and 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 they're playing in the toughest division in they the NFL are. right now. Yeah. When you stop and look at the, the three teams right there, three teams out of that division made the playoffs. So, but you know, I think that they are still are among the elite teams. I'm, I'm really uh, interesting to see what North Turner is going to do as offensive coordinator because you know I don't have anything against Shula, but again, same situation. You know, when when the Panthers would have third and short, why do we never throw? I just get upset when teams will not try to move the chains. You know, if you want to go deep, go deep on second down. Right. But let's move the chains and get the first down instead of throwing the low percentage long ball and stuff like that. The play calling with Shula upset a lot of people. And I'm glad to see Turner coming in and saying that in his game plan, he's going to let Cam run. Because when you take Cam running away, you've taken away, what, 60%, I'd say, of his game. Right. He can't run the football. And I, I like when Cam, when the play breaks down and he's taking off running, but sometimes when they just snap it to him constantly and he's taking that beating, 
sometimes I think that's what starts to wear him down and that's what, what bothers his shoulder and everything. So I, I don't mind Cam running just not as much, but your quarterback can't be your leader rush on your team. No. So I think it's time for Stewart to go because he, he every time you turn on the TV, he's always in street clothes. So I, I think they need to find another running back to go along with McCaffrey because he you need that power back. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. he he's more of a he's a smaller back, more like a slot receiver type back. They can't carry the ball 20, 25 times a game. So I think that he they need to get another running back. I would like to see him get another receiver as well. Shepard, I don't think really panned out for no, the receiver. So but that's one of the things that bothered me with the Panthers, though. It, it seemed like they never really tend to spend the big money unless they really have to. Like they did with Cam and they did with uh with um Luke Keekley. But other than that, they don't really keep the big name player, go out and sign big name free agents. I would have liked to see him keep Josh as well because he did help him out. But it just seems like other than those two, they never really they mix and match the other pieces around those two guys. That that hurt it. them when they did not sign Norman back, where they had to go through growing pains. The secondary is coming along right there, though. But it's that's the thing. The thing that kind of the, the trade getting rid of Kelvin Benjamin. I, I thought somebody's trying to play an April Fool's joke on that. And you know, I guess it, it, it did. Maybe it did take Cam where he looked at his other receivers and all like that, though. But I just, you know, I just wonder about some of the moves that they make, and, and I'm a little bit scared uh, with Marty Herney pulling the triggers on these deals right now. That I remember he traded away like a first and second to, to draft Armani Edwards, and they're that still biting that. And they got a defensive end from Florida State with one of the picks that they might have traded away a couple of good picks, and and he's not even in the league. He didn't even last for the Panthers over a year, and all that. I'm just a little bit. Cautious yeah, of what he's, he's going to do with GM. Yeah, I, I think, and also they need to. Um, I mean, Olsen, he's starting to get on up there in age, so you know he had the foot injury this year. But I think you need to get another, maybe another tight end to go along with him just in case as an insurance policy. But I think Cam, he he did all he could do pretty much with the pieces that he's had. And like in the in the playoff game, I can't even remember the guy's name who. Drop the touchdown yeah. pass. This is a guy that picked up off waivers. Exactly. And what's he even doing in the game? Start. Why are they throwing to him exactly. in that situation? But that they get that touchdown early and get the lead on New Orleans, it might be a different story. Exactly. Because they missed the field goal after that, and they got nothing out of that drive when they should have been up seven to nothing. Yep. I'm, I'm with you on that's that. That's what the thing is. That's why I say it, it bothers me when you have a big time talent like Cam, and, and yes, he does miss passes, but. I still feel like they take him for granted because they don't put the necessary pieces around him. And then when something breaks down, he has to take off running, absorbing all that punishment. And that's what's going to shorten his career because he doesn't have the right pieces around him. I just wish he would tone down the hats. The hats. (laughs) Sometimes, and and he's going to take a lot of criticism. Sometimes that people say he's more concentrated on being Mr. GQ than being you know, the quarterback, though. But some of those outfits he came out in, and I, I mean, we're sitting there waiting on him. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> he's taking a long time. This is going to really be funny today. But he looked like Raul on Sanford Sun one time. <laughs> and he comes in looking like, I mean, is this some, he looked like a Shriner one time with his hat he had on there. We were oh, they- laughing about that. Because I, I asked Stephen Drummond, the media uh, director of media for them, I said, did he wear that hat today promoting the Shrine Bowl in Spartanburg next week? <laughs> you can always count on Oh, It's always online. Anytime, post-game, pre-game, it's always something about Cam's outfit. It's always online. But do you do you think feel like he gets too much criticism, though? 
Yeah, I do. I, I think he gets too much criticism. I think that, again, going back to that, I think he gets too many people taking cheap shots on him that they don't throw the flag on. I don't mm-hmm. think the officials treat him like a with the respect. He's an MVP in the league, and I don't think he gets the same respect as a Tom Brady, as mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, or some of those guys. Yeah, he runs. He runs a lot. But still, some of those guys take cheap shots at your knees and your things like right. that that I don't think he gets the right respect that he gets. But, you know, I think some of this he brings on by the goofy outfits and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which I know he's – hey, I'm, I, my wife told me I'm dressed today like an Easter egg, <laughs> so I can't sit here and talk about it. And, I, heck, you know i got Cam Newton sport coats that we yep. compare them. I'll go and compare them with the locker room there, though. But I think, you know, maybe some of the things of Cam being Cam that, that people, you know, don't respect him to give him the respect that you get. For me, I I feel like sometimes is he deserves the blame, and then sometimes it's like he tries to play both sides. You know, with sometimes with his quarterback uh, comments about black quarterback, and then sometimes he backtrack and about Colin Kaepernick. So it's like he doesn't know what side he wants to play right. on. Sometimes, so I think sometimes that brings criticism along with him, and then they would sometimes out there showboating on the field as well. Right. Sometimes that's why guys may take a little hit on him, mm-hmm. and, and then. Things like those little small things, but I, a lot of the times I feel like he does get a bad rap because I don't think he's a bad guy. No. But, but sometimes he, he can put his foot in his own mouth when he said make some of the comments that he does make. Well, I've seen him, you know, with with my little fellow Tron Foster mm-hmm. who works with me. Uh, he's little boy's had leukemia and all that. I've taken Tron to training camp and things, and Cam has come over and given him shoes and stuff and. That I, I see it like it goes back to what I'm saying in the locker room. You see a different person, mm-hmm. and uh, talking to him in person. That I've talked with him at training camp with lunch, spoken to him and told him things and all. And he's been yes sir and no sir to me. Hey, he didn't, you know, I, I would some athletes would not do that. He he could buy me with money <laughs> he's got. But you know, I've seen some different sides of Cam from time to time. I really think that that Super Bowl loss and what happened really affected him and changed him in a way, some ways too, though. But I think that, you know, a lot of the things you're saying right there, too, that, that he brings on. I thought that the situation with the female reporter in Charlotte was totally blown out. I agree. I agree. Because I know how Cam is. Cam is sarcastic lots of times, and he will do that from time to time. And I think that, that she – being a new reporter up there, tried to make a name for herself, and and I've seen how you know she comes back in now and thinks that, that she rules the roost in their locker room. That she wants to get that first question in, she wants to ask all those questions, and she thinks in a way she's un- untouchable. But I think he got a bad rap on that. I agree. When I when I watched it, I was just sitting there waiting to see what it was, and, and if the video finally went off, and I was like, what did I miss? Because mm-hmm. I, I I I just didn't get it. And I understand she was a female reporter, and and she took it personal. But when I watched it, even my mom and my sister, they watched it, and, and they were just like, what did he do? Yeah. Because I, I just didn't see why people were were so upset about what he said. I thought he was trying to give her a comment, but not trying to, like, downplay her, like, put her down just because she's a female, like, she doesn't know anything. I thought he was kind of trying to acknowledge her in a way, and I thought it got taken out of proportion. And then... What's funny about social media is that day people were piling on Cam, piling on Cam, 
and making him seem like a bad guy. And then all of a sudden, the next day, when the the thing about her making these racial remarks yep. comes out, then everybody jumps on her. And then all of a sudden, it's like now they're against her, and it's just like a back and forth with social media where they don't know who they want, what side they want to be on. But for me, I just felt like Cam. To me, I didn't feel like he really did anything bad. But that that was just my opinion. I thought it was just way overblown because I tweeted it the same time. I was like, this thing is just way out of proportion. And then he lost his his um endorsement, endorsement mm-hmm. deal over the, the entire thing. They gave it to Prescott. Yep, they did. Mm-hmm. But but I did, I thought he really got a bad rap over that situation. And it, it is kind of funny too what you're saying. I'm glad that somebody dug up and found out what she said. Exactly. And, and it's funny how it kind of went down the line because there was another reporter out of Charlotte that he's, he's not one of my favorite people. But he even tweeted after that that you better watch out if you call somebody out on Twitter about that. And then somebody said, weren't you that jerk that was on that radio station in Charlotte that got fired? And I going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not getting in on this. Well, that, that's, that's the one thing about social media. When you, when you put something out there, it's, it's out there forever. Yep. You it, can't it, reel it back in. It's not a fish. You never know whose <laughs> hand it's going to wind up in. And so you always have to be careful. But like we said, uh, is she still around the team? Yeah. She was suspended, I think, or maybe they took her away from several weeks. And when she came back, she's right in there trying to butt her way in to be the first one to get every question yeah. out of everybody. And I don't like that at all. Do the players think that she said, do the players interact with her or do they try to kind of shy away from us if I, they know how she those racial comments? They try to answer her questions, but they're not going to give a whole lot more than that. They'll right. give you an answer and all. But it's just like, you know, and, and see, and it, it, that's one thing that, that bothers me. We're kind of on the top of reporters right now. What I've always done, and I think I've told you this before, being a former coach, I'm looking for ways to promote players and coaches in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not somebody that's trying to sell a newspaper or something digging up dirt on people. Right. And it, it got me that there was a female reporter that really made me mad that the day the story broke about Mr. Richardson and all with his thing, that she, on the national, the post-game thing, lit into Cam, trying to get him, corner him into slipping up and saying something. Right. And I just wanted to say, will you please hush? And I tra- jumped in the next question with, get, let's get back to the game. Right. How a lot of these people just try to stir up something to, to make a name for themselves and stir up something negative when I, that's not, to me, that's not, not good journalism. I, I would rather report the good things going on with sports than always the negative things being brought And out. to me, it, it kind of puts the players in a tough spot because they don't know what really happened in those situations. Right. So when you come out and, and ask them about something, they really got to say, they, they don't want to throw the owner under the bus. So they just pretty much have to. Do like everybody else, wait and see, wait till all the evidence comes out before they can really further their comments. So it puts them in a bad spot. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and my position's always been on something like that. Nothing was done to me. It's none of my business. Right. You know, if, if, if they have taken care of and the person that was violated or whatever and the person are there, why is it any of my business to stick my nose where it doesn't belong? But a lot of these people think, well, hey, it's my job. I'm going to go out there and find everything about it. And I just want to say, it's none of your business. It did not, did somebody do something to you? 
If they did, then you got every right. But if it was not you, it's none of your business. And I think this is something that they'll still talk about for a while until the team is sold. And once the team is sold out, I, I hope that they still come around for training camp. But I believe once the contract is over, I think they'll try to do away with anything associated with Mr. Richardson. And they'll probably cut ties with coming to Waffle for training camp. Oh, here's my lunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I hope not, but I just have a gut feeling that once the contract is over, I believe that hopefully they'll keep the team in Charlotte, but as right. far as coming down for training camp, I just think they'll try to cut ties with it. For some reason, I think they'll – And I worry about that, but you know what Mr. Richardson is starting the team. They are the Carolina Panthers. They mm-hmm. His motto is two states, one team. Right. And that's what they're founded on. So I hope you, what you're saying is what a lot of people are worried about, though, especially people in Spartanburg. But I hope they don't do that. But if I could I could see that possibly happening. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens. And, and I, I don't think it will have anywhere else. If they did come down here to really practice it, that's big enough for for the team. I don't I don't. Is there anywhere around here they, where else they could practice it? Now, Walford was, Walford's facilities were specifically built for that. Right. They upgraded everything, and that's why, you know, Mr. Richardson has been good with all the things he's done for Walford, but they built all that stuff, just practice stuff, just for the Panthers, and Walford reached the benefits. Yeah, so that'll be tough. Plus, you know, with the Vikings, former Vikings getting their own stadium mm-hmm. as well. So it's kind of like they will end up losing a little bit of money. So mm-hmm. just one of those tough things. We'll see what happens with all that. But let's move on. We'll stick stick to Charlotte, but we'll go on to the basketball side of things with the Hornets. Um, still around the team. So you you got a pulse of what's going on right now. So just break it down a little bit. Made a great move. They are not bringing Rich Cho back as yes. general managers. Yes. And it's kind of funny that the last game I was at, I'm going to see him play tonight. But the game I went to, the last game was with Toronto, and uh, my post game, my Lindy's post game report that day, uh, Coach Tony was with me, and I had to do two versions. I had to do the Facebook version of Dante, and then I had that was live, and I had to do the one I sent Lindy's. And I'm, I told Coach Tony, I said, "Now this is going to be much more toned down because I'm doing that for Lindy's." And we went out to supper at that. He just busted out laughing. He said, "I can't believe you said that second one was going to be toned down." He said, "You were just as bad." <laughs> but my my thing is, this team has has been probably, with exception maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point, the biggest group of underachievers this year. Right. That I I I don't think that Cho has he's he's tied up money. And wasted money on people uh, that should be wasted right now. I, I would almost, if they talked about blowing the team up, I would keep Dwight Howard, who I think has returned to the Dwight Howard ball. Dwight is a personal friend of mine, uh, good friend. Kimball Walker right there. And then I would put anybody else. But the problem is nobody else wants them. Right. I mean, you, you spend all that money on Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who's a good defensive player. But he's got the ugliest shot in the NBA. Cody Zeller, you spent a top 10 pick on him. Number one, can't stay healthy anymore. Number two, leads the NBA in missed shots from, from two feet away from the basket. He's not an offensive threat. He's not going to do anything. Frank Kaminsky plays no defense. He's lazy, uh, in my opinion, that he's all or nothing. Jeremy Lamb is an NBA all-star November 
through October, November, December, goes home for Christmas and never comes back. <laughs> you never see him. I mean, he sets the woods on fire. He had to start when Batum was hurt, but he comes back and it's like he's not there anymore. That he's not given. They've got nobody giving him any kind of lift off the bench. Uh, Nick Batum, I don't know with him. He just has not played up to his potential. Marvin Williams sometimes doesn't get a whole lot of shots. I do give Marvin a lot of credit that Marvin plays good defense. He's a good shooter, but he didn't get enough. And Marvin's getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. Again, your bench coming off the bench. You got Carter Williams, who's who's decent. You got Frank the Tank, who this makes my skin crawl because, like I said, he will not get in there and, and get physical inside. He's seven feet tall and he hangs around the three point arc all the time. It's not going to get in there and give you any kind of muscle in the paint. Uh, he's either all or nothing. He's either going to come out and score uh, 20 points, 15, 20 points, or he's going to score nothing. And, again, I've already mentioned about uh, the other man coming off, the, Jeremy Lamb coming Jeremy off the Lamb. bench, that Jeremy Lamb uh, is non-existent. And then you, have, you, you trade your third-string center for the third-string center for the New York Nets and give up two draft choices. Now tell me that's smart. That is just just the way they do things. I am really and and I called out Rich Cho and Michael Jordan in my last video. Is you owe it to the people of Charlotte to put a better team out there. And, and I'm glad to see. I know Jordan didn't watch my video, but I'm glad to see Cho. It rhymes. Cho needed to go. Right. Because of the deals he's put together, the people he's brought in. Again, I would much, I wanted Winslow instead of, mm-hmm. but I think he would have fit the, the scheme a whole lot better than Frank the Tank, though. And then your, your two draft choices that you had this past year, they don't even see the floor. Hey, they are great for the swarm up there, but you've got the kid out of Kentucky that, you know, thinks defense goes around the house. He don't play <laughs> lick of defense, but he'll shoot it, he'll jack it up. <laughs> And then you've got bacon. He's waiting for eggs to join next year on the roster. <laughs> so we can have bacon and eggs, though. But they have got – they just don't – you know, I look out there at the, the bench from these other teams and the bench from the Hornets, and I'm like, wow. They, that it's just – I just don't like the way this team's put together. But I think they need – you know, and, and, and Dwight Howard's one of those people, I tell you, that's got a bum rap, that Dwight Howard has got one of the biggest hearts and is having – Dwight Howard should have been in the All-Star game. He had better stats than Al Halford. He had better stats than Green. But those are two market cities. Mm -hmm. If he got overlooked, he should have been an All-Star. I think with the team not winning, that that kind of hurt him as well. But uh, like you said, with the first thing about Cho, I think it was the right thing to do because they they were not winning. So I remember around that time when I was there, I remember uh, the kid, P.J., PJ Harrison, that that was a. I didn't even know why he was in even in yeah. the league because all he did was come was in and jack up shots. Yep, and <laughs> all he supposed did was to sell tickets, even though he, you know, he he was had a bad track record. He got in trouble yep. in North Carolina. You bring him in, and what's he did? Same thing. Same thing. thing. But yeah, when I look at the team for me this year, I think you have to consider every tradable piece. Well, I I would consider Campbell, but it would have to be for the right price. It would have to be a, a big time player. But other than that, Dwight, he will go on the market for me, like I said, for the right thing. Um, Batum, he has the big contract, and now he's uh, he's pretty much there unless somebody wants to take that off the books. I don't think he's worth the $100 plus million, but I don't think a lot of players are worth that much money because mm-hmm. I, when I give you $100 million, I, I expect 
you to deliver, get conference championship, NBA finals, that kind of play. Batum is not that kind of guy for me. But he's he's a nice player, but he I mean he's overpaid. Uh, I don't know why Kid Gilchrist is still there. He he should have been gone. I'm mean, the same year I was there. He got his contract, and then after that he hurt his shoulder and he yeah. was out. So he he's always injured. But I, I think they definitely have to get some help for Campbell because if not, he's going to end up one probably one of the leaves. Well, he I think he wants to stay, but I mean at some point you have to consider is it about the money or, or the rings. I mean, can you take a little pay cut and go somewhere else and win? Because right now they're not giving him any kind of help, yeah. really. And I think it's one of those situations where you have a star player, but you take him for granted. But he can only do so much, and he's only, what, 6'1"? He yep. can only do so much at his size. And well, he's a defensive liability, right. too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only two guys that, that Kid Gilchrist and Dwight are your two defensive players Marvin can give you some D. Batum can't cover anybody. Kimba can't cover anybody. Frank can't cover anybody. Lamb doesn't cover anybody. That, and that's the thing. They're giving up, you know, a lot more points than they're scoring. And their problem is they can't outscore people. But and, and the thing is that Clifford's supposed to be a defensive guru. Mm-hmm. But these guys either can't or won't play defense. Right. And that's what's it just I mean, just little things that, that I, I was talking to Coach Tony about this. I said, I want you to break down and analyze that, how they don't move their feet. They play straight up. They don't move their feet. They give up three-point shots because they don't ever put a hand in the shooter's face mm-hmm. before and they give him a clean look at the basket. And then stand there with their hands out, and the guy drills three after three after three. It's just little things that they're not doing that, as a coach, drives me crazy. Yeah, and like you said about Frank, that same year, they they missed that one and they missed they they drafted him but but since then they missed Devin Booker because Booker came yeah. later on in that draft so that's another bone. Miss Mitchell, that kind of Mitchell Bush, yeah. So I, I that's another one that yeah. kind of they got away they could have for chose. So that that was two picks right there, notable picks that um that hurt them. And then for for them to get Frank that year, it, it kind of confused me because they traded Lance and got Spencer Halls. That was another big man that could shoot threes at the time. So why would you? Trade and get Spencer Halls, and then draft draft uh, Frank Kaminsky, another big man who can shoot threes as well. They they pretty much do the same thing. So that's that's why I feel like like for um that pick, I felt like they should have got Winslow as well, even before Devin Booker. But Devin Booker, I mean he's he's looking really good in Phoenix, even though the team is bad. He does look really good for him. I, I will say the only good deal he made, I think, was bringing Dwight in because that's the first time since. Alonzo Mourning. They've had somebody who could control the paint. But see, what's happening is you got, and I, and I watch this game after game, that you've got the shot blocker, you got Dwight who is taking care of rebounding and doing all that is. But these other clowns on the perimeter are losing their man. He steps over to pick up the guy, the, the penetration, the stop penetration, and nobody rotates over to get his man. And they dish it off to his man who gets the dog. Yep. But he's doing his job. But the rest of them, they don't play team defense. Yes, and that's, and I, for me, I don't see how they can – even though the East is still weaker than the West, I don't see them making the playoffs this year. They're five and a, I think five and a half games behind right now, and only twenty something to go. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. It's a lot of a lot of ground to cover. Before we get out the Hornets, do you think with the new GM coming in, uh, suppose I'm assuming Mitch Cupcake they were talking about, yep. do you think Coach Clifford will be there next year or will they move on? 
That's Coach Clifford has been one of the best coaches they've had. I don't know, you know, with this the illness that he went through, if it will be something. I'm kind of torn on that. I kind of think that that he probably needs to stay. I think he will be there unless the Jordan just wants to clean the house altogether and get a fresh start. Though I don't know who they would go out and get right now because I do think he's a good coach. But I'm a little bit concerned, too. You know, one thing that, that bothered me, and he's the nicest guy as could be, and I've talked with him there, but uh, Stephen Silas, I don't. Mm. I, I, I thought when he coached them that he left the subs in too long and let games get away in the fourth quarter to get the starters back in quick enough. And I never saw that fire in him. Lord, I, I, you know, I'm, I was a wild man. There, I, I could get pumped up. I could get intense. I could give an, a, a referee an earful and stuff like that. But I thought that I, I never see saw them play with any enthusiasm or him be that fiery guy. Right. And and I have not seen Clifford be as fiery since he came back. And I don't know that that's 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 a good question right there. I think he's a good coach. I don't know who they would get, but. You know, if they're going to get rid of him, this would be an opportunity, right. same for health reasons and all. I think we need to move on. And I, I agree. I think for me, he's uh, it's tough. When you, when you hire a new GM, a GM pretty much wants to bring in his guys that he wants to go forward because it's also his job on the line as well. And so for them, I think this would probably be the best time if you want to move on from a coach to kind of bring in your own guy. I don't know who would who they will look for. But I think this will be the time. And I, for me, I think he'll be gone, unfortunately, because of the circumstances. Well, he's getting that Tar Heel front office because assistant GM's Buzz Peterson, his roommate yeah. in college. So you have two Tar Heels running the, the GM position. Right. All right. Before, before we close it out, um, something I told you about, uh, one of the top five players. I had KB on here. He gave me a, a, a nice list of players, more than five, which is all, which is all good. But uh, – Give me your top five players in the NBA right now. Right, currently playing right now. Right now, yeah, right now. Right now, I would go. Well, again, he's my least favorite player, but you got to put LeBron on there. You got to put Durant on there. You got to have Curry on there. Uh, I'm trying to think who I want to go as my other two players right now. What well, I've got used up, big man. I'm saying. Hmm, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's tough. It's tough right now. As, as far as all-run talent, I'll put them on there because it's not going to be the five positions. It's not going to break it down there. I think you you still got to get uh, the bearded one on there probably. Hard, and, yeah. and you probably would have to get Westbrook on there. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much my five. I, I had – it was in a little bit of a different order. I had LeBron number one. Then I put Steph because I, I just think he's so dynamic and what he does on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's just something we've never seen before. Right. A guy who can pull up as soon as he cross half court and just knock him down. With ease. With ease, yeah. <laughs> he's shooting like the layups. I, I had him number one. I mean, number two. And then I had Kevin Durant number three. I had Westbrook four and Harden five. But I'm I'm so close to flip-flopping those two because Harden, the way he's playing right now, is it's, it's unbelievable. And I think he'll probably end up winning the MVP if he keeps going at this pace. But those are my five right now. I still have Westbrook at four and Harden at five. But it's 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 a it's a tough call. I mean, but there are some, some young players that are coming on the kid at Milwaukee. Yeah, I, like coming on. I can't pronounce his name. Lord have mercy. Yeah. On that. 
but there's some other good young players in the league. But going just who the top five talents are right there, that would probably be the ones I would go with. I agree. And and one more topic of uh, the finals prediction. It's, it's still early, a long way to go, but who would you have in the finals right now? I would still go with Golden State. I'm, maybe this is going to shock you. I'm going to go with Golden State and Boston. In Boston? Why? I think for me, I'm going to go to state. I'm, they kind of worry me a little bit, and I think I'll, I'll go with Cleveland. I think those trades that they made will help them so much that they will figure out a way. I mean, they got time to gel and, and fix it, but I'll still say um, Cleveland. They'll. I think right now the way is they're seated. Toronto is one. I was gonna say don't count Toronto yeah. out, but I, I, I just Toronto. They. I haven't seen them in the playoffs really show up. I, I don't trust them yet. So I think it'll be it'll be Cleveland and Boston in the second round. The two and the three have to go head to head in the second round. So that'll be a good matchup. But I just think LeBron, with the pieces that they added to him, I think they would beat. Uh, I think they will uh, get to the finals, and then them Golden State again. I'm, I'm I'm torn on it right now because I I think Golden State is they're getting a little complacent. I think so too, and I think they're kind of taking it for granted, and and I think. If I had to say right now, I, I would still say Golden State, but I think it would go at least, I would probably say seven games because of the talent that, that they added to Cleveland. I think in the way that Golden State is looking right now, I think they will finally push them to the edge, but I still think Golden State is just still the best team in the NBA with all the talent that they have. Because you, you, you can't just add a, a Kevin Durant to your team, a championship-level team, and then all of a sudden not, not having mm-hmm. – they, they, I think that was just a – uh, all-time pickup for them. So I still say they are the favorite to win it all. And, and you wonder what kind of player uh, Thompson would be. Right. Uh, if he were the, the man, kind of exactly. like when Kyrie broke away from uh, LeBron mm-hmm. and all. But if he were not having to share shots with, with Curry and with Durant and all those guys, what would Clay Thompson be doing right now? And he, he's – He's got to be probably the most humble guy to, to kind of take a back seat mm-hmm. to those two guys, knowing that somebody, anybody who can score 37 points in a quarter, that lets you know what kind of talent that he is. And same thing with Harden when he was with Oklahoma City. He was behind Durant and Westbrook, so he didn't really get the shine yep. until he went to Houston. So one of those things that happened, and it'd be interesting to see if, if at once it's contract time for payday for Clay, will he stay or – or move on, That'd, but I think they'll try to keep those guys, keep the band together as long as they can, as long as they're winning anyway. I think they'll try to keep them together. But uh, Coach Cox, thank you for your time. And uh, before we get out of here, tell the listeners uh, where they can find you, social media. You can catch us if you go to coxsportsbroadcasting.com. That we've got a new update on our website. You can also catch us that we do on lindysports.com. That we do post game reports for Lindy's at all the games we cover that we're on those two places right there though. Uh, Facebook we do a lot of live broadcasts on there if you go to Cox Sports Broadcasting on there that we've just tried to find a lot of different places where we can reach the most people. Alright and there you have it and once again my name is Carlos Smith. This has been the Cross the Line Podcast. Till next time keep chasing your dreams. Stay blessed. Thank you for listening.